Welcome to Joy Sounds, music you need to know, presenting the brightest emerging and breaking artists. This podcast is about who's next and who you will want to follow. And who knows, you might discover your next favorite artist. Here's your host, Chris Sampson. Thank you so much, and welcome to this episode of Joy Sounds, music you need to know. Today, we introduce you to the emotionally charged music of Estrina. Before creating the band, Estrina's experience was in classical music and film scoring, and you can definitely hear this influence in her expansive arrangements and her flair for drama in her songs. Estrina opens up about taking control of her music by breaking away from a project with a producer and learning how to produce on her own. She also talks about her grand vision for breaking down barriers between the audience and performer to create a truly immersive experience with her shows. Along with her bandmates, Trey Olseth on guitar, Haley Clace on keyboards and background vocals, and Philip Walker on drums, Astrina performs three songs live from the Joy Sound studio. They perform Not That Girl, Changing, and You Should Run. Now, to open the show, this is Astrina performing Not That Girl on Joy Sounds. like to feel didn't want to look back at all your little eyes I don't want to give back my heel I remember all the times you brought me back to life I remember all the times I died and I never thought I'd see the day you realized that you want me
And that was Estrina performing Not That Girl here on Joy Sounds. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the studio Estrina, Trey Olseth, Haley Clays, and Philip Walker. Estrina, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank we get a chance to specifically talk with Estrina and Trey here. I love that song. So what's the backstory to it? I used to, my first project outside of film scoring and classical music was with a electronic producer and I was extremely committed to that project. I was really excited to be involved in something new and we also ended up getting romantically involved. So there was something fun and exciting about it, but I ended up being way more committed to the project than he was, which was very frustrating. Um, So that ultimately led me to start working like on my own entirely and just try to learn to do everything myself. And a few years later, I ran into him and At that point, I just felt so much more empowered than I did just kind of as the singer in the back of the project. And it inspired me to write a song that just made me feel free. Oh, that's Um, great. So so that experience really motivated you, it sounds like, to kind of get your skill set together so that you didn't have to rely on anybody else, right? It did. It did. I learned a lot from it. I mean, that project, as difficult as it was at the time for many reasons, it's where I learned how to produce by watching it. So it's I I definitely gained a lot there and have come out of it stronger, I think. Yeah. How did the band come together? So I started writing songs towards the end of college where I was studying composition. So I had been spent several years working on films and going to concerts where everyone was like clapping quietly. And it's beautiful music. I grew up loving that. Kind of music. Then I went to my first music festival where I heard the crowd cheering and like feeling as much as I feel when I make music, which that's why I make music. Um, So that inspired me to start writing songs. And then I experienced actually at USC, most of the people in the band are from USC, playing in a band for the first time. And I was like, this is the way I want to express the music. (laughs) And yeah, once I started producing and writing more, I just wanted to perform it with a band. And the people I learned to play with a band and with were right there. So you guys kind of came up together yeah. in terms yeah. of your training and finding out sort of how to make a band work. You guys really started from the beginning together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all met through Tim Cobes' class. Tim. I know. Rock on, Tim. Tim. Right. Yeah. Very grateful right. to him. I mean, we'd all had our own experiences beforehand, like Casey with composing. I'd been playing in bands for a while and Haley with her theater experience. At what point did it sort of click that is like, oh, we might have something here? Pretty quickly in some regards. And fun fact, I actually dropped out of the class that we all met in. <laughs> so it's a testament to our relationship. Well, before we even started playing. So Trey bailed a, on the class. I was very sad. I was very excited to be in Trey's Right. I was, I was distracted with other projects at the time and was like, all right, am I going to be playing in class or am I going to be playing out? And I just like... Sure, that's what they all say. Yeah. Right. And I he was just trying to get away from me. Well, I like to call Trey my musical soulmate because we, the first time we ever recorded together, I was on a song that it was more, more recently had been a classical musician. So I threw in the weirdest odd time and Trey came in and made it sound super simple and like brought his guitar sound to super influenced the way that the sounds I imagine when nice. I want to produce them. So it is interesting how sometimes that classical background can 
contribute in a songwriting and a band world, <laughs> but it can overwhelm or, or not just be stylistically, it, it may not work, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely had a lot more of that in my earlier songs, and I still throw it in here and there now. I've definitely learned that there's tasteful use of that. And yeah. then and then there's 78441278 Like, no shade at all. I've done it myself. Yeah, it's fun oh. Fun with counting. Right, yeah. right. But was this an important part of you guys getting your sound was sort of going through that process to sort of hear what worked, what didn't work. Regarding your sound, if I may... I'm kind of picking up a little bit of a throwback. I'm hearing 80s and 90s really warm synth sounds and those types of things. A- am I far off? Is that something that is an influence that you draw from? Or is that just kind of happen and maybe that's what I'm hearing in it? Whenever I first started making music, it just had a sound. And I think that's a strength and a weakness. Sure. It just comes out the way it comes out. And I need to listen to more music, to be honest. <laughs> I spend so you don't so even know if, the, if this is the influence. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I spend so much more time making it than listening to it, which I love it when I listen to it. It's just... I haven't oriented my time that way for whatever reason. So I can't tell you for the most part how why my music sounds the way it sounds. I love that. We don't have to put a label on it whatsoever. <laughs> I just was wondering if there was any direct influences. And if the answer is no, I kind of <laughs> dig that, actually. It, it seems like you allow all the band members to sort of bring what they bring to the Definitely. table. Yeah, playing with different drummers brings out a total different dimension of a song. When Phil couldn't make a couple of shows recently, we had another drummer, Kevin, also from USC. Kevin mm-hmm. High, great drummer, and he caught up with the material really fast. But also just playing with him is fundamentally yeah. different than playing with Phil. And it's like a different... Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. Same parts, same songs. Right. You know, but just... It, different it, flair. It changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, Phil is a really creative drummer, and that's like my favorite part about it like the recordings have like a ton of percussion i have one song that has two kits happening and Uh phil makes it sound like he takes one kit and makes it sound like a bunch of different stuff and like just interprets it incredibly like i i love drum yeah 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 and i think we uh hear a good example of phil's approach to orchestrating the kit on this next song changing quite a bit tell us where this song came from so changing i was told by someone that my music should be a little more pop to be more approachable the first line is you think i'm not approachable but you couldn't be more wrong (laughs) (laughs) so i just was like i want to make music the way i want to make music and you know it'll speak to some people and at the same time what was funny about it is Especially with Not That Girl, that was the first time I let the sound sort of get more pop a little bit. I see, yeah. I didn't want to let it go too far that way, but that was the first time where I was like, you know, let it be what it's going to be. But I didn't want to intentionally go more pop. And this song was like, I just wanted to say it's going to be what it's going to be and make it happen. Have you found it challenging to have to process all this advice, whether it's solicited (laughs) or unsolicited, (laughs) that, that just sort of comes with, I don't know what it is. Being a musician sort of opens you up to everybody giving you advice on your writing, your performing, and all of these things. But it sounds to me like you've made a conscious effort to sort of, I don't know, stand on your own in in spite of the, the advice that we always get. It's interesting because I think that is always my first reaction <laughs> as oh, yeah? Yeah. growing up a rebel as a kid is the first time I get advice, I'm like, I go the other way, and then I come around and generally realize, oh, I 
I can see how that could make me better. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely could say that about some of my, especially my technical training. It bothered me for a long time because I wanted to write what I felt and not think about it too much. And then later I found myself thinking about it way too much and learning from that. So I like the rebellious streak in you. (laughs) I I think that that probably serves you uh, very well. And obviously it seemed to fuel this particular song. Let's get a dose of this rebellious streak in changing. This is Estrina on Joy Sounds. That was Astrina performing Changing. One of the things I love about Joy Sounds is the diversity of styles we present. We've had almost everything on. Pop, rock, hip-hop, country, film music, and even children's music. For our listeners, that means we truly believe we present something for almost everybody on the show. I'd be grateful if you considered supporting Joy Sounds 
so that we can continue to feature as wide a range of artists as possible. Please visit patreon.com slash joysoundsmusic. Once again, that's patreon.com slash joysoundsmusic. And subscribe on a monthly basis at any amount you wish. All proceeds goes directly towards the costs of producing Joy Sounds, so your subscription will help keep us going far into the future. Thank you for your amazing support, and thank you for listening. Now let's get back to our conversation with Astrina. And that was Changing by Astrina. What a cool guitar part. I love that lick that, that kind of comes after the chorus. It's like it almost serves as its own post hook. How'd you come up with that, Trey? That one, I mean, we'd already thrown down a lot of the basic parts for the song. Okay. And there was just that section that needed something. Wanted to go in that high register, but the typical approach of just blasting the guitar with effects and making it not even sound like a guitar right, kind of right. didn't work. So we went for something just like when I threw on my overdrive pedal that just like cranked it a little bit more, made it feel like a lead part. And she did some really cool processing on it to make it sound like more phasey, et cetera, on the record. Cool. But when it comes to the live band, it's just like, go. Nice, <laughs> nice. So most of the production happens in my room and then Trey comes in and does all the guitar. Haley and Phil are involved in the live band aspect. And right. also, just quick note, Haley's backing vocals are one of my favorite things ever. And that's she's one of my best friends. Shout too. out to Haley. So just wanted to shout her out there. Yeah, the recordings are a lot of electronic. Also, the the drums recordings actually happen with a guy named Jake Reed when there's live drums on it, but it's a mix of electronic and live. So it seems like it makes your live show different, a completely different experience than listening to your tracks, uh, the recording yeah. version, right? And it sounds like you want a different experience if somebody comes out and sees you live. Definitely. Live performance just speaks to me so much. When I grew up playing music, I didn't play with bands, but it was just me and a piano and I wasn't tied to a click. There was so much rubato and like the tempo was everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. Not that the band is necessarily everywhere with the tempo, but there is something just like dynamic about having everything be like happening in that moment and real time. All the communication of the sound is just like you look someone in the eye and it's right there. And I think there probably is a way to incorporate tracks where we don't feel like we're losing that aspect of the live show. Yeah, but yeah. Um, we've experimented and pulled the plug on tracks a couple of times yeah. now. We haven't found the like ideal workflow of incorporating them yeah. and figuring out what parts of the show do and don't get track. And But I completely agree with you that there's a different feel and a different chemistry that happens when a band is interacting in real time as opposed to locking on the grid. Right, yeah. and the Joy Sound Studio setup had you guys performing while facing each other. Yeah. I love facing the people you're playing with. I mean, st with the stage, the audience feels like they're also playing by just providing the energy. Sure, yeah, yeah. But we did one live shoot without an audience, and because it was, it was on film, we had to all face one direction, and that was like we got used to it. But the first few songs we ran, it just felt so wrong because <laughs> like it was just like this is just you, and he's over there, and everybody's energy is facing. <laughs> Completely away from each other, right? right. Yeah. 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 What are you working towards? What's the uh, larger goals for Estrina? I have big dreams. <laughs> My favorite part about art in general is how immersive it can be. And that's why I started with film scoring is I just thought the music combined with the picture and the story, it just creates this world and suddenly there's not just earth and all your life, there's something else. I think any single art can do that alone. Like music can certainly do that alone, but... 
Ultimately, I have this huge stadium concept for an immersive mixed media experience mm. that involves the music of the band and actually also involves the stage not being facing one direction because I want the audience to feel included. And I have so many ideas, like having half the audience actually be dancers, but people don't know it. I just, I want to create, I have this full, like planned out stadium idea. So I haven't figured out how to incorporate that on a smaller level. I mean, it would make my life to play big festivals because that's where I decided to do this. But that's sort of like I, I like to visualize where I'm going and there's this just like abstract vision of that concept that I'm yeah. working towards. Music is also very visual to me. I've started dabbling in like abstract visuals and I actually posted a couple YouTube videos where I just kind of made abstract visuals to the songs that are currently out. Like for the specific stadium concept, the idea would be like the screens would actually be all around you. So no matter which way you turned, wow. the thing something would be happening. But And it also sounds like you're very purposefully breaking down any kind of boundaries between performer and audience. Yes, because the reason I make music, and this isn't necessarily specifically with film scoring, but when I wrote as a kid at the piano, I loved it not even necessarily for the sound specifically, but the world it created. That uh -huh. I could, my mind could just turn off and my hands would play things and I didn't know what they were doing and that's my writing process. It's very meditative. And I come from a family of doctors and my brother went to MIT and it's just a they experienced the world a little differently for me um and I just would like to share that specific experience with people um nice. who don't necessarily and I think all artists experience that when they write and create but I don't think everyone gets to experience that necessarily and that's the experience I want to give to the world we want to make that happen <laughs> So there's a listener that's got a half a million dollars to invest in this because I think that's what it's going to take. But I love I love the scope of what you're talking about. I'd love to hear another song from you guys, if that's okay. Of course. Because this has been a great conversation today. I really appreciate it. The next one, it really sets a mood. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd love to hear about this. So I'm going to ask you guys to close out our show and perform You Should Run. But beforehand, I got to hear what goes into this particular song because, like I said, it's got an attitude to it. Sure. So I'm pretty open about this with this song. It's kind of a side note, but I um, have bipolar disorder and that comes with a vast arrangement of things that my mind presents me with. <laughs> one of the phases I go through is hypomania and there's one of the typical symptoms of that is um, extreme spontaneity to the point of indiscretion um, just because your mind isn't really it's so in the moment which is a good thing but it's so much so moving forward that there, you don't really take the time to reflect on anything like you make a decision before you realized you made the decision so there's no, no recognition of consequences or outcomes or anything like that no wow no it's yeah, your mind is always either in the moment or five steps ahead. Yeah. Um, so you, there's, yeah, it's a very strange, I mean, it's a cool state of mind to be in at the time because it cool feels Cool is a word for it, not yeah. cool. It's a, it feels good. Right. No, I, I, no, get, it. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But you end the phase and you might realize you did some things you wouldn't have done otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like waking up from a, almost like a dream state of just like, oh, I did what? Yes, Trey. Also in the same boat. Oh, um, no kidding. Bipolar type 2. Mm. Yeah. So this song I wrote when I was in one of those phases, and I had a lot of indiscretion in my love life, and I just felt like people were getting me attached to me in a way that I was not able to attach because mm. everything mm. was fleeting for me. So it was a bit of a... However, I'm not always like that. I definitely know how powerful and intense love can be, and infatuation specifically, and... 
It was basically like, you don't want to get involved with me. I will break your heart right now. I don't want to. So that inspired this song. Do you find that writing and making music helps you make sense of all of this? Definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's essential. Sometimes Um, words just can't really express what's happening as one of her lyrics says words get in the way we didn't play that song (laughs) but uh one thing speaking of lyrics that i really appreciate about the song you should run is that it's told from the perspective it sounds like i mean it's a first person song but at the very last line of the song she says my name's love and i can't be tamed and so it's told from the perspective of this twisted type of energy of love. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I realized while I was in a state, it's not just me that was dangerous. It's just infatuation, like extreme irrational infatuation. Anyone can experience that. Mm -hmm. And it can really distort what a person is. But it also feels great in the moment. So like for the song, I kind of took on that identity. And I was like, there's a temptation to it, but also a warning to it at the same time. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing that amazing backstory to the song that you're about to play for us, You Should Run. And so this is Philip Walker, Haley Clays, Trey Olseth, and Astrina performing You Should Run. This is Astrina on Joy Sounds. You should run 
should run for away, run for away. You should run when you hear my name. You should run from the fun that will break your soul. You should run from the storm that I am. You should run for away, run for away. You should run away from my pain. You should run when you can't get away from me. You should run when I take my aim. You should run for away, run for away. My name's love and I can't be tamed. Be sure to subscribe and follow Joy Sounds wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on all social media platforms using the handle at Joy Sounds Music. Are you an artist who would like to be on the show? Visit the contact page of our website at joysoundsmusic.com for more information. Until next time, this is Joy Sounds, music you need to know.